Hey everyone, welcome to Lighting the Way, a podcast from Furniture, Lighting, and Decor. I'm Amy McIntosh, Managing Editor of Furniture, Lighting, and Decor. Um, and this is our one-year anniversary of the podcast. I can't believe it's been a year already. Um, just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's listened, who's subscribed, liked, shared. Um, we really appreciate your support. Uh, for this episode, we are going to be revisiting... Um, one of our first episodes uh, where we spoke with past showroom of the year award winner Northwest Lighting and Accents about how they educate their customers at the retail level. Uh, coming up in the next few episodes, we have some really exciting and interesting guests, um, so stay tuned for that. But for now, we're going to be uh, revisiting one of our most popular episodes so far. Um, just a reminder that you can email us at lightingtheway at sgcmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, um, suggestions for future episodes, we're happy to hear them. And with that, here is the interview from last year. I'm here with Thomas Rindle from Northwest Lighting and Accents in Mount Prospect, Illinois. Um, Northwest Lighting and Access was this year's Showroom of the Year award winner in the two to five million dollar revenue category. So congratulations on that. Um, I know you guys have been finalists quite a few times, and this is your first win. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, so today we're going to be talking about education on the showroom floor and how you can promote some of the the latest in technology to your customers and to some designers who might stop in as well. Um, so to kick us off, can you um, just kind of tell us a little bit about Northwest Lighting and Accents, um, its history, some of the different divisions you guys have? I know you have, you do quite a lot there. So um, could you give us an overview of that? Sure. So um, our business was a, a third generation family company. Um, originally started more than 60 years ago uh, by my grandfather. And uh, like I said, as, as a third generation now, we have expanded and changed significantly with the times as to, as to how we go to market and um, with many different strategies. So some of the newer things that, uh, that are up and coming for us now is we had a very significant relaunch of our website in, in the past year. Um, we have in the last uh, maybe, maybe seven or eight years now probably more like seven years, we have um, had started a design services division, um, largely focused on lighting design for architectural lighting. Um, so that was a big change for us. And we also, as, as you know, have continued to try and develop and improve our merchandising in, in our showroom area. Um, we do also have a traditional electrical distributorship that's part of, part of a different division within the same envelope of the company. Um, and they play very well off of each other, our design group, our lighting and accents group, and our, our electrical um, distributorship. So we have developed those areas to kind of work in tandem to service the overall marketplace, whether it's an end user or a design professional or a uh, electrical contractor. Um, they, they all interplay very nicely. Um, and then we also have, uh, in our showroom areas, we've continued to merchandise. We've piggybacked on the design talent that, that we've uh, kept for our services division to help develop 
tools that can be used in the showroom as uh, displays and merchandising um, to help guide people who maybe don't have an educational background in lighting as kind mm -hmm. of a business to help guide those people to make uh, make informed decisions about what the consequences are of changing color temperature or changing beam pattern distributions or um, you know how how will this material look under this uh, type of lighting or that type of lighting and do compare contrasting so people can make informed decisions as they uh, go through our showroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know you guys have won um, the Showroom of the Year Merchandising Award a couple times as well. So um, yeah. so what, what's kind of the strategy behind the way the showroom is merchandised? Um, so we have, a, we have a couple different layers to that, actually. Um, we have some some areas that are that are merchandised more like uh, galleries to showcase specific manufacturers. Um, we have some areas that are branded to be focused on American-made product. Um, we have some areas that are focused more on architectural lighting to show the differences in. Um, in how the same room might be illuminated um, with different types of architectural lighting, so you can really get an idea of what one lighting strategy will do versus another. Um, we have some areas in our showroom that are geared much more toward individual lighting effects, so we might get as focused in as showing here is a painting lit three different ways, um, so you can get an idea of how that may interact in your house. Sometimes we do actually have customers who bring the piece of artwork in that they intend to light so they can compare uh, lighting on the actual piece that they're intending on illuminating. Um, so those are all, oh, and we also do a fair amount of uh, work with lighting control to give people dynamically changing spaces um, as, as people build houses and build commercial spaces that are more multi-use. You know, you see a lot more open concept, great room type scenarios in, in residential housing now more than formal dining rooms in conjunction with, uh, you know, formal sitting areas and those kinds of things. Now, it's often much more combined and open with the kitchen areas. Um, so those same spaces now have to be much more adaptive based on the function. So we do quite a bit with lighting control work and demonstrate demonstration areas for lighting control to showcase how you can make that a reality in your own home. Wow, sounds like you've managed to, to fit a lot in there. Um, so these experience centers, I'm, I'm told you were one of the masterminds behind many of them. So what? Um, how long have you had the showroom set up this way, and what prompted the addition of these areas? Um, so actually the, the initial um, change that we made was to, we had started our, our design services group, and we needed a space um, to spend time uninterrupted with clients and their drawing sets. So we had developed an office area that was set aside for that, and we had to do a little basic cosmetic remodeling. You know, we had to repaint the walls and do a few little things like that. Um, but we had thought at the time to take the opportunity to showcase some of the architectural technology 
um, that we could do with LED lighting and show different dimming types and different lighting arrangements. And so we lit that office probably five or six different ways um, and had lighting control that was capable of easily indexing from one one lighting arrangement to the next. And we, we did it in that room for the purpose of sitting there with the drawings with the client and discussing on paper what was possible, and then we could immediately go to the wall and demonstrate it in the same room that we were sitting uh, to, to showcase what we were suggesting go on their drawings for their home. Um, so that was very successful for us, and that kind of took off maybe more than we thought it was going to. And then as a result of that, we decided that we would be uh, best served to our clients by, by going through other areas of the showroom and showcasing other rooms besides an office. So we started taking the same model and, and look at ways that we could apply it to a kitchen or a sitting room or a bedroom or a master bath. Um, so as those areas have developed, we've, we've continued to add displays that, that target and focus on different rooms, but with the same model and the same platform of, of having adaptive lighting to showcase different ways that you could light those spaces. Mm -hmm. And how often do you change up these um, spaces? I'm sure you know technology is evolving all the time. Um, so how do you keep them current and up to date with the latest technologies? So what's interesting about this, so far we have not had to do a tremendous amount of changes. Um, and part of the reason for that is because we have the design group we're we're focusing on showcasing the lighting effect. And so, for example, whether we do a wall wash effect with a fixture that is three years old or a fixture that's going to be invented two years from now, it has to be a pretty dramatic technological change to necessitate pulling that thousand lumen fixture out and putting in a new thousand lumen fixture in its place. So the lighting effect, if you dial that in correctly, you can make the point of selling the concept instead of focusing on selling the individual widget. So when we have ultimately do the designs and the spec work, once somebody has committed to the concept, we've been able to just, obviously we use the most current fixtures and most current technology, but you know your, your wall wash effect is still your wall wash effect. You may need one fewer fixture in the row or you may be doing a grazing effect, and so you need uh, you need to push the fixtures closer to the wall, and the the visual of what that looks like is is conveyed even if the display isn't brand new, you know, with technology from last week. So we try and um, we try and continue to improve on the areas. So far, we've mostly just introduced new displays. Um, so if we're showing somebody a um, and I'll use the second example, a wall grazing effect in our design office, and maybe the technology there is a little bit older, a couple of years old, then we might say, hey, but we can do this effect with this new style fixture that we have in our bedroom display we put in last month. So it, it's, it's worked out fairly well to be able to migrate from one area to another, and I, I think we've decided we've gotten more value out of continuing to do another space and another new area um, before we've really had any necessity to go back and, you know, re-gut and revamp something that's already working very well. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, so why why do you think this type of, of kind of 
demonstration um, education is important to include on the showroom floor? Uh, so that's a good question. Um, I would say that the the main reason is because you're what you're selling is something that's intangible. So what, as a as a showroom, when we sell a light fixture, somebody can walk up to that fixture, they can see it, they can touch it, you know, they can inspect it, they can feel the the quality of the finish, the the weight of the casting, they can they can tell a lot about the product from their own visual inspection. Um, when you're selling architectural lighting or lighting controls, you're selling the experience, right? And the, the distribution of the light, the intensity of the light, the, the way it interacts with the dimming controls and how the fade rates work and all of those different um, technological tweaks can give a very different experience to the customer. And so when you're selling experience and you're selling design, um, you're selling architectural lighting. You're you're not selling a, a a widget. It's not a it's not a physical product. You know it doesn't matter um, the recessed can that's in the ceiling or the the linear product that's in the wall or whatever it is is not is not what someone's buying. It's more the the technological necessity to accomplish what someone's buying. Um, and I think that's very hard to show if you can't. It's very hard to sell experience if you can't provide the experience yourself. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's unfortunately one of the challenges with the uh, whole coronavirus situation right now is that so many people are unable to actually experience um, things in this industry, whether it's furniture, lighting, or decor. Um, yeah. it's, it's an added challenge, and I think people are starting to really realize the value of brick and mortar and being able to step into a showroom and see these things in person. Yes, I would agree. Um, so do you offer, aside from your showroom displays, do you offer any other um, technical education opportunities either for end users or for any of the designers you work with? So I would say that probably our focus with that is more geared toward the design and the electrical trade. Mm -hmm. We have a pretty substantial training room facility um, attached to our showroom that we can do lunch and learns or we can host um, design events for the local design colleges. Um, we often, uh, after hosting those events, get applications from the students for internships in our design team. Um, so that, that's been a... Uh, an interesting play for us because we've found some some very qualified staff by doing that um, and then also have helped you know with the community in furthering some some of the uh, lighting education the marketplace to people that are going to go off and become designers of their own um, so I, w I would say we've we've done both mostly focused on the professional channel but we've done both for continuing education for already credentialed professionals um, and then we've also done hostings for uh, lighting design classes at, at the local design schools. Okay. And then how do you keep your staff up to date on the latest developments? We do a lot of continuing education, but I would say that actually the one of the things that, that is different about our company is that we have a genuine excitement surrounding the lighting design work itself. 
and so there's a lot of camaraderie that passes from from one staff member to another every time we get a get a message of something that someone thinks, hey, so-and-so used something kind of like this on a different project, but this one looks newer and different. I'll send that to them. So we have a lot of a lot of product emails that get forwarded internally, and then we also um, do some more formal things where we uh, host lunch and learns for the staff. Um, we do some uh, formal continuing education credit things where we go to conferences around the country. One of the ones well, not this year with COVID, as you pointed out, but one of the ones that we very typically go to is Lightfair. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do Lightfair, and we also do the Dallas Lighting Show, as as you know. Um, so between those two, I think we get a pretty good mix of of decorative lights in Dallas and then architectural lighting at Lightfair. Um, we do also – I usually put – usually I try and do two at a time. I will put two people through the – uh, pre-conference classes at Lightfair because you do have an opportunity to do some formal training um, in a classroom setting at, at Lightfair as it pertains specifically to lighting and controls, which I, I think is a little bit unusual. There's not that many places you can go to to sit in on, on classes that are specific to those topics. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then finally, what advice would you offer um, to any other lighting showrooms out there who might be interested in setting up something that similar to your experience centers where people can sort of be immersed in the lighting that they're considering putting in their homes. Um, how would you advise they go about doing this? Well, I think there's probably two different methods that you can go about um, trying to execute that. I would say that the first one would be, is maybe they're similar, is you have to have some kind of design professionalism behind your efforts. So if you decide that you're going to have a services group or a services department for performing drawings and layouts and uh, pay for services for site visits and those kinds of things. If you're going to have that be part of your uh, company strategy on staff, then you can utilize that group of people to help you develop the the displays and the layouts and the designs of of how they're going to interact and how the controls are going to work and how all of that Stuff is going to interplay together, um, but if you, the other method I could see you maybe going about doing that would be as if you partnered with a some other type of lighting design professional. So um, in the Chicago market, we're fortunate that there's numerous um, numerous lighting designers that operate within our local area. Um, those lighting designers we tend to have very good relationships with, and we might bounce ideas off of them, or they may give us. Um, some good feedback or ask us for some things um, to get some answers on on how they might be going about some design strategy on a project or or whatever the case may be. So I would say that it helps a lot to build your network um, of your local lighting design community so that you can uh, piggyback on that knowledge level to to help you develop the way in which the the lights and the controls are going to interplay to help, help guide end users in making decisions. Um, so I, I would say that you, in either circumstance, you really need to have some design professionalism that's helping drive that to help develop it. Um, but that can be done either in-house or through your your professional local networking. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. Um, so before we wrap this up, this is a little bit off topic, but we've mentioned it a couple times, so I figured just check in. Um, 
with the whole, with the coronavirus situation, are you guys back um, open? What's what's the current state of your showroom? So we are we are open. Um, we have uh, our showroom was one of the latter parts of our business that w- that we opened. So we had a had an isolation um, with our uh, contractor base on the electrical distributor side, and then we had our design group. Um, most of their communications and their efforts are done via email and phone anyway. So we quarantined off that portion of the office and didn't let the areas interplay with each other um, to try and try and make it so that we could maintain some separation. We upped our our uh, cleaning crew coming in several times a week, doing a much more thorough disinfecting, cleaning of handles on things, and all that kind of stuff. And then we more recently reopened the the general merchandised showroom side, and we've added a number of uh, uh, plastic uh, divider shields so that customers and and the employees can sit near each other but not be you know breathing on each other through the through the glass. Um, so we've done a number of things to try and try and mitigate the risk of uh, coronavirus in in our showroom, but still be able to service the community. Um, we are requiring masks. Um, we have posted signs everywhere, and we offer them gratis to the customers if they uh, if they did not bring their own. We did also uh, on that front. Uh, we we had made and printed some some cloth masks that are branded and logoed for our NW for Northwest. Um, so those have been popular, and we can offer those as, as marketing materials now. Um, so we've done a lot of a lot of things to try and adapt to the changing climate, and uh, so far, so far it's been working pretty well. That's great. Um, once once things go back to normal, I'd love to stop in for a visit. You're right around the corner from our home office. Um, I look forward to it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much for uh, for thinking of us, and we really appreciate the. We're honored to receive that award.